Oh, great big good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to have you here joining me today. I'm Pastor Chuck Blair of New Church Live. Great to be able to share with you today. And, and today's service is, it's a fun topic. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's one of my most, one of personally my most favorite topics to speak on in terms of Christmas, which is, which is this idea of joy. And today we, we've been going through this as, as is the tradition with looking at these candles and the candles of joy and, and, and how each one symbolizes different parts of the Christian message. You have hope, which is kind of lights the flame. You have peace. And today we're looking at the forefront. We're looking at joy. And how does joy work in our life? And how can we find more joy? I, I've never met anyone who said, Chuck, you know what? I'm working on getting a little less joy in my life. This is, this is one that's just so, so incredibly important to us. And, and folks, just think of the people in your life who just have that effervescence, who just have that joy. And, and real joy, it's not detached from reality. It's actually very embedded in reality, very embedded in life. And it can be such a game changer. Here's a beautiful thing to consider as we do this. I mean, one of the most significant parts, I think, of Christian New Church theology, at least for me, is the idea that, that New Church talks about the idea that, that good is the default. You know, that we have all this noise, all this worry, all this concern, all these other things, but, but deep down underneath, there's this original blessing, this inmost. And so much of life is getting rid of the stuff that gets in the way, because this is the default. It's, that's why we stress so much is about getting rid of that stuff so that the good stuff can just come more and more into our lives. And that's part of joy here. And, and a question just to think about is, is what thoughts do you have in your brain, in your head, that actually start to train you away from joy? I think we can train our thoughts away from joy. I do all the time. With obsessive thought, with worry, with concern. And it's, it's, this, it's this practice thing, this practice bit of training thoughts away from joy. And what does that mean? That means when joy does arrive, we tend to be very suspicious of it. Like something is wrong. I was with a, with a group of people, a, a small group. We got in a great conversation about that. And one person was sharing about, yeah, it's just, it's so hard because anytime something good happens, something that gives me joy, I'm just sure the other shoe is about to drop. Talk about a little buzzkill right there. But how do we find joy where we're no longer suspicious by, of it, but more surprised by it again and again? I'm not talking surprised because we don't expect it, but I'm talking about the, 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 the surprise by joy where we step into these different parts of life. It's just like, oh, wow, that was surprising how much fun that was. That was surprising how much joy that brought me. That was surprising, surprising, surprising. I think that's what we want to be talking about today. And part of getting into that, folks, is understanding in life, as we talk about the story of the wise men today, this story about, about life is cyclical. And notice I didn't say the word cynical. Life is cyclical. We don't always live in joy. We don't always live in hope. We don't always live in peace. We live in those things some of the time. And the trick is just to get the, the joy that comes in those moments and really celebrate that. And as life inevitably bends away from that, which will happen, as life inevitably bends away from that, just hold it, just hold it as an invitation to come back to it yet again. It's always this invitation. Always this invitation to these beautiful parts of life. 
So what we're going to start with today, right before our first song, is a question. Now, for those of you who are joining us for the first time at New Church Live, again, I know a lot of you folks, somebody who just called, a, a former student of mine from Pocono Mountain Junior High School, when I taught in junior high school before teaching in high school, of all things. And I know he's joining us today. I know a number of folks are. We, we, we try to get a lot of audience engagement, and we get it online, by looking at questions. And the question this week, where have you lost joy? Or, we can sort of have two parts, what new, new joy have you found around Christmas? Where have you lost joy, or what new joy have you found around Christmas? I know for me, this question is very important this year. This was the first year where with our family, we're doing two different Christmases. And, and so I had the Christmas celebration with our kids on Friday, and I actually baked cookies for it. Like, try that. You know, that was something a little different. And, and, and so it's discovering new joy, knowing that there's, that there's a place where a certain joy has been lost, and there's also a certain place where another kind of joy has been found. And that's, that's so much part of the season, right? It's, it's not everything is joyful. It's about knowing those places. Yeah, this is where I feel like it's lost or I could use more. And then there's this other part, too, where we find joy. We find it in new, unexpected places. So with that question, folks, what you can do is you can put the answer in the chat room, whatever format you're on right now, whatever one of the streaming platforms you're on, you put the answer, or you can text it to me, you can text me an answer at 215-740-3662, 215-740-3662. Last word, welcome. Welcome to New Church Live. Many times, 
That brings more than a little joy right there. Yeah, it's, it's fun, folks, back there reading. I'll be reading some other ones during the service. You know, one, one, uh, one grandma had a great one that I thought really kind of hits, really hits the spot in terms of what we're going to be talking about today. Hard to have joy on the way to hockey with grandson before 7 a.m. Saturday, but joy on the way home when he wouldn't stop talking. And, and I think that's, that's so true, right? And that's, that's the cyclical nature of it. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at this cycle because we're going to look at the story of the wise men. We're going to look at the fact that they lost track of the star. And we're going to look at the experience of when they found it again. And I imagine for all of us, we can know that experience. We can know that experience of when we lost track of our star. We can no longer see it. It feels like we've lost our guidance. feels like we've lost our true north. It can make life scary. It can make life hard to navigate. And that's what we're talking about, this part of the Christmas story today. So again, we're looking at the three wise men. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you the story from the three, about the three wise men. And then we're going to talk about it some. We're going to talk about the, the, the bad guy in all this story, which is King Herod. So let's take a look at this, Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, during the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Again, the disturbance there is like, wait a minute, is this guy coming to usurp my throne? That's his worry. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, they replied, Then Herod called the wise men secretly and found out from the exact time, the time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And really, it should read, so I too could go and destroy him. That was the intent there. After they had heard King Herod, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. 
When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And that's the line we're going to be looking at a lot today. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another way, which is a beautiful James Taylor song, by the way. So folks, here's these people who had lost track of their star. And, and, and again, like the cyclical nature of it, notice it doesn't say God removed the star or that they did it wrong and that's why they couldn't see the star. It's just part of life. Sometimes we feel lost. Many of you know, because it's a word thing, I talk about way too much because it's so good. When we lose track of our star, the Latin for that is disaster. When we lose track of that, it can feel so disastrous. It can feel um, so incredibly unsettling. And then here's where the Herod character shows up. That is, that's, you know, I remember the first time, let me back up a little bit. I remember the first time, this was years ago, probably 20 plus years ago, the first time saying Herod's part of the story too. And just being blown away by that idea. Because it's so easy to look at Christmas and to think, no, there's nothing bad that's going to show up. I was in the mall last night, way too crowded. <laughs> way too crowded. I mean, anxious, like even talking about it. And just this sort of grumpy experience. You know, Herod shows up. That part shows up. And I want to talk about that part for a minute. Because I think it's incredibly important. That Herod piece, folks... Think about yourself where, where there's a part of you that's depressive, that's, that's, that's anxious, that's fearful. Whatever one of those words maybe motes fits, that's, that's the Herod part, depressive, anxious, and fearful. And I know when those three come together, it's never, it's never good news. And here's the amazing part of it, folks. When, when I know for, for myself, I imagine for many of us, depressive, anxious, and fearful those are really powerful emotions. And, and for most of us, when those emotions are in charge, when they are the Herod, when they are running king, they actually run the show. They're incredibly powerful emotions. It's really hard to get out of it. It's hard to shift. And what's interesting is I, I think of Herod, and I think we can look at, at the idea of a black hole, the idea of a space-time black hole, Next slide there. And when we look at the way a black, a black hole works, we're going to get to what about me in a second. When we get to the way a, a, a black hole works, not there. Uh-oh. Sorry about it. Picture a black hole, folks. So when we, when we, picture, when we picture a black hole, you know, it's, it's this idea that, that what happens is, is, is space and time deforms itself. Space-time deforms itself. It's, it's, a black hole is a black hole because it's so dense that it literally pulls everything into it. So space and time gets deformed. And I think that's the way when we're, again, that depressive, that anxious, that fearful part. When that works, that's what it tends to do. It, it really becomes this, this thing that deforms so much of life. And so much of that goes to this thought, what about me? What about me? Now, the what about me part of life, how that, how that might work. I take you back to being a kid. 
And I take you back to a time, and, and again, we can share on this, for those of you who are here in person, maybe share a little bit about this after church, but that what about me part, that's that, that part that's always struggling with the comparison trap. So I remember as a little kid, Christmas comes, I walk out into the other room, and my sister had gotten a, a soft serve ice cream maker. And I was incredibly jealous. And just think of that gift that you saw someone else get and you ended up, well, what about me? How come I didn't get that thing? And I was thinking about it this morning, realizing I have no memory of what I got that year. But I sure do have a memory of what she got to this day. That's the what about me part. That can, again, it can, it can have a way of warping things. And that and that, that circuit becomes complete, and then we have completely trained our thoughts away from joy. As long as we're asking, well, what about me? What about me? What about me? What about me? As long as we're asking that, we're just reinforcing a circuit. And again, that circuit, folks, our thoughts, our thoughts get trained so far away from it. And, and as those thoughts get trained away from joy, joy recedes. Because, because the emotion and the thought, they're supposed to go together. And joy is no longer driving that thought. Joy is not about what about me. Imagine a deeply joyful time in your life. You probably weren't wondering, well, what about me? So it's real important for us to understand that, that this is part of our life. And it's a cyclical part. And how do we come back then, right? If, if this is what gets us out of kilter, what gets us out of step, how do we find something that brings us back? And that's where, again, like the ancient prophecies come in. You know, these, there's this idea that, that God is with us. And I love the line, folks, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. That line, I think, just gets to that part of life, right, where we, where we see this thing and we see it again and we just know, oh, that's it. That's it. That, that piece of, of remembering, that piece of remembering, that coming back where we see that, that deep joy and we're overjoyed, I, I just, it's, it's, I'm struggling with language here because it's so important for us to just get that that is cycle and that that is coming too because there's some people who believe they'll never see the star again. And what I can offer is I can offer that we will, we will. And what we have to do to see that star is we have to, again, get the idea that we have to move it. We have to move. Our life has to move. We have to see. It's an age-old thing about the Christmas story that needs repeated every year because it's so important. Everybody in the story moves. Everybody. Everybody moves except for Herod. I mean, think about that. Everybody's moving except for Herod, which maybe that's why Herod could not see the star, because there was, he had no movement in his life. That part of us that is just so completely stuck. And when we do that and we see the star, there's kind of this memory, folks, that starts to click in. Like, all joy is remembering. All joy is remembering. G.K. Chesterton. I've preached a whole sermon on that, because I find that line just remarkable. All joy is remembering. Well, all joy is remembering what? Let's take a look at that for a second. There's a very simple line, you know, the idea that God remembered, that God remembered, God remembered. When God remembered, the idea that God remembered, that comes out of the story of Noah and the ark. 
Noah's in the flood. We're in the flood of life. And then there's, and there's this line that just says, God remembered. That simple. God remembered. And that line, when we look at it, it's easy to think, well, does that mean God forgot us? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean there's any forgetting of God. Or God forgetting us, I should say. It means that, that there's this idea that God really actually does remember us. That, that it's, and it's this, this remembers that totally is this shift away. And when we can start to get that God remembers, it's kind of like these photographs, you know, that, that God, I mean, this one author I really like said, you realize God has your picture on his refrigerator. I love that idea. That idea that, that God remembers all of us and he remembers there's no person who is forgotten. The beautiful story of the lost sheep. One sheep is lost, 99 are good. And which is the one God is concerned about? The one. Really bad math with that, by the way. But that idea of God's deep concern with the one is so incredibly important. And we start to see, we start to feel that God remembers me, he remembers me individually, and he remembers us. He remembers the individual, and he remembers the group as well. One parishioner, when we were talking about this, a parishioner from out in, out in Western Canada, made a beautiful note. She said, you know, I forget that God remembers. I forget that God remembers. And I think that's, that's a really significant piece to come from, is, is it's so easy to forget that God remembers, that God remembers us. And this beautiful part of Christian New Church theology, that God is closer to us than we can possibly believe. Can you really understand that? That God is closer to us than we can possibly believe. That moment, right? That moment of seeing that star again. What is that for you? What is that joy that you find again? Can you trust? Can you really trust? That in that moment of starting the search when you see the star... In that moment of not seeing the star at all, and in that moment of joy when we see it again, can you trust, can you trust, this is so important, can you trust that God really is holding the whole thing? That you're never lost. Meister Eckhart, a, a very famous mystic from back in the Middle Ages, had this beautiful line, and it's one, one worthy of repeating because it's so, so powerful. The idea that God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. Think about that for a minute. God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. That's where, friends, maybe we can find or rediscover a brand new kind of joy, something much deeper, much richer, something far more powerful. Because it's, it's a joy that, that just is able to understand the cycles of life, and it's it's not the joy, you know, it's not the joy that kind of comes to the precipice and knows, well, I get to enjoy now because tomorrow I'm falling off. It's just the joy of understanding that there is a cycle of life. And when you're in the cycle of life and you're understanding that joy, like, be in that this Christmas. And if you're not, just keep moving. You know, as the musicians come out here for our, our second song, it's just one of those things to think about, folks. Again, how can you have that joy in your life? How can you rediscover that joy in your life? How can you find those stars yet again that not only will give you joy, 
but give you this joy and abundance that is God's will for you. So folks, so many beautiful answers. I just want to share a couple of them with you that I, that I got by text message. And again, if most folks watch this archived, then feel free anytime. Like it's not uncommon for me to, on a Wednesday night, get a comment about the Sunday service, which I love getting. Someone shared, lost joy is not having precious family members to celebrate this joyous Christmas or future Christmases with. Finding joy is a long evening walk with our dogs 
and each other and seeing colorful lighting, lighting displays. Another person writes, I'm finding the joy in having a quiet holiday. In the past, Christmas was so busy and so material. Now I'm finding new joy in a simple Christmas with people in my life who I love. I've lost joy in my heart when I completely devote myself to loved ones and it's not reciprocated. Yep, that happens. Another person, a reference to music here, Handel's Messiah brings great joy. These, these kind of comments, folks, like it's, it's uh, you know, Beethoven's greatest, greatest, uh, greatest song was, was, was this idea, this ode to joy. I mean, just a, just a bread of heaven, ode to joy. I, I love the idea that that was sort of his magnum opus. His great work was this, was this ode to joy, this way of trying to give voice to this joy. And we live in a culture where, where that can get so lost, and the story of the wise men keeps on coming back to it. Yeah, our job is to, is to yeah, we, we'll, we'll see the star, it'll get us moving, we'll lose track, and then we'll see the star again. And what's the whole point of seeing the star again? So that you can offer your gifts. So that you can take the blessing and you can be the blessing. So you can take what is yours to give and give it and give it freely. What's yours, what is your gold? What's your frankincense? What's your myrrh? What's the gift that is yours to give and what direction is the star pointing you in terms of how to give that? Because I think so much, folks, that's how we start to train our lives towards joy. Because maybe this... Maybe part of seeing the star again was remembering that there are gifts to be given that are yours in particular to give. And that's why you need the star. So you can keep moving forward with that. There's some huge pieces of this and we start to see the gift and we start to understand the significance of of not just making joy like this nice sort of byproduct of life, but, but really seeing joy as a call in life. I want to share with you just, just an incredibly powerful story, and I share this with permission from a congregant out in Arizona. This congregant, a dear friend, lost her son in very tragic circumstances, very sad circumstances. Wonderful young man. And we did the funeral from out there. Um, some of you probably wear some of the details with that. We did the funeral out there, streamed it out from Arizona. And, and she offered this beautiful insight that I heard that was just amazing. In a recent small group, we did a small group on gratitude, and it fits right in with today's service. It's a story I've referenced very quickly, but I want to just talk about it a little bit more today. She said, you know, when, when she lost her son, she was sure that the best way to honor his life was with unhappiness, with despair, you know, that, that she could never feel joy again because to, 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 to feel joy again was somehow to dishonor the magnitude of the loss. I think a lot of people struggle with that. I certainly have. Things happen, we lose track of the star, and then hell will get us to think, you will never be happy again, ever. Now that's not to say, right, that when we, when, we, when, we, when we experience that loss, when we lose track of that star, it's sometimes in very tragic circumstances, it doesn't mean that 
that when we see the star again, that all that is kind of washed away, far from it. It becomes incorporated in our life. It becomes part of who we are. And it adds sort of this richness and this bittersweetness to life. But we will experience joy again. We will experience happiness again. Coming back to the story, one of the real powerful insights that she had was this. She realized she needed to shift, that she literally had spent time training her thoughts away from joy. And she needed to rethink it. And what she discovered was this. This is a beautiful line. She said, what I realized was the best way to honor my son's memory was with joy, not without it. Let that sink in. The best way to honor my son is with joy, not without it. What if, what if we saw that in so many parts of our life? Of course, our tragic circumstances where I think that's really germane, where we really have to get, yeah, we're going to honor this hard part and this loss maybe, and we're going we're to try to, if we've lost someone, yeah, it's really hard and really struggling, and I don't want to be overly prescriptive about this because you might not be there yet, but just be aware, where are there pieces where you can honor their memory with joy, where you can honor them with joy? Are there pieces? There probably are. But then just think about that as well. Are there other places in your life that you're honoring with non-joy, where you're honoring with despair instead of honoring with joy? Like, where is that? Where are you constantly bringing despair to something versus trying to find where the joy is and instead seeing how do I attach that to this thing? Story of the wise men. It'll come right back to your gifts. Those things that actually are yours to offer. Life, friends, can I think come down to, I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to say that too, uh, in too overwhelming a way. Some of life can come down to this question. It's a simple, it's a simple three-word question. You know, can I trust? Can I trust? Can you trust? Can we trust? Can we trust that there's a picture? And the picture doesn't always make sense. The picture, yep, it's not always fair. It's a picture that's hard some days and beautiful on others. And can we just trust that there's a picture? Can we trust that there's a God that holds the whole thing? Can we trust that, that even the star, those moments we don't see it, it doesn't mean it's disappeared. It just means we can't see it. It's just not there. I think that may be a little aside. I think that's why movement is so important. Because if we don't move and we just stay stuck, that's, that's, where, that's where things really start to bog down. Can we trust? It's interesting with the way, you know, the story goes, that the story goes and the angel appears to them. Again, there's another dream. And they get told, look, you've got to go home by another way. You've got to go home by a different route. The route you took to get here is just going to be different. That's life, right? That going home by another way, I think so much of that going home by another way is we've given our gifts and we've just learned to trust. 
We've just learned to trust life. We've just learned to trust other people, even in the imperfections of life. We've just learned to trust. So friends, you know, as we look at this story of the wise men, pretty simple takeaways here today for a very simple, very beautiful story. Ask yourself, and really ask yourself, like this is where spiritual work's important. Where have you trained your thoughts away from joy? And how can you look at that and how can you sort of search away to find that star again? And when you see it, have a little joy. Have a little celebration where you've seen it again. There was a, a beautiful one that, that someone wrote. They even sent a, sent a picture in with it, which I really loved. They said, new joy this year was seeing our grandson glowing with his cookie on the Polar Express. Even sent a beautiful picture there. Like, that's seeing the star again. When, when you see it, it's not just a cookie, and it's not just a Polar Express. Like, celebrate that. Find joy in that moment. And you'll find yourself wise. You'll find yourself seeing the world as it really is. So that's the thought for today, folks. I want to invite you as well to a special service we have coming up. Every year we do a special Christmas Eve service at New Church Live. That'll be 5 p.m. Christmas Eve. You're welcome to join us. We do this service and we really, we really sort of orient it towards family. So uh, it's a beautiful service with candles, with light, with beautiful, wonderful music. And we certainly hope you can join that, that with us on Saturday, again, this coming Saturday at 5 p.m. So as we close, folks, what we're going to close with is we're going to close with a prayer, we're going to close with a blessing, and we're going to close with a beautiful final song. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, help us, if we're struggling to find that star, to find it again, to see it, and to move. And Lord, if we're in a place where we feel like we see the star, where we see this, this morning star rising, as it were, calling us in that moment to celebrate it, to find the joy in it, literally the overjoy in it. Incredible celebration, Lord, as we do that cycling through life, always blessed, always broken, always shared. Be with us in the week ahead, Lord. Invite us into the spirit of Christmas Eve and the spirit of Advent this week, that spirit of joy. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen.
City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. And on every street corner, you Silver bells, it's Christmas time in the city. Ring a ling, hear them ring. Strings of street lights, even stoplights, blink of bright red and green as the shoppers rush home with their treasures. Hear the snow crunch, see the kids crunch. This is Santa's big scene, and above all the bustle, you Silver bells, silver bells, it's Christmas time in the city, ring-a-ling, hear them ring, soon it will be Christmas day. Soon it will be Christmas Day. Thanks, everybody. Soon 
it will be.